Hello, and thank you for joining us for the very first episode of Backstop's Human Development Department's podcast, Backstop Banter. My name is Andy Santos, and I'm a corporate recruiter here at Backstop. I'm joined by my co-host and work twin, Elena Barron. Hi, everyone. My name is Elena, and I work with Andy in People and Development as a corporate recruiter. Now, most of our listeners know People and Development as HR at their companies. But for us, we wanted to call our department P&D because we wanted the focus to be on our people and how we help them develop their careers. That's right. I'm so excited that we're finally doing this podcast, Lena. Me too. Now, some of our listeners might be wondering, what is Backstop Solutions? Backstop Solutions is the leading productivity suite for the alternative investment industry. So we have a suite of products, suite of software to be specific, that are catered to the alternative investment industry, such as hedge funds, funds of funds, family offices, pensions, endowments, foundations, and private equity. Oh, it's a mouthful. It's a lot. (laughs) Definitely. Good job, though. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, explain to our listeners why we decided to do a podcast. Oh, well, you know me. I've always dreamed of becoming Oprah because she's my inspiration. <laughs> so this is my Oprah moment. She's but, your uh, hero. <laughs> yeah, no, in all seriousness, though, like we want this to be our happy little place where we can share our experience with other HR professionals and yep. hopefully help them and, you know, maybe they can learn something from us. So Absolutely. And... That's why we're calling it Backstop Banter, because we share an office and we just banter all day. (laughs) Might as well put it on a podcast, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Now, um, before we start, we should tell our listeners about our uh, backgrounds a little bit, so I can go first. Okay. Okay. Let's get to know Andy. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I actually, uh, I grew up in the Philippines and moved to the U.S. after high school. Um, I actually completed a bachelor's degree in marketing at Northeastern Illinois University back in 2009. Uh, now, you're probably wondering, why is he in HR? Well, um, you know, dial back to 2009. That's when I graduated. Yeah. Not fun. Yeah, it was uh, that recession. <laughs> that recession <laughs> happened. Um, I was actually interviewing for marketing positions, but um, obviously that didn't work out. But uh, <laughs> there was this one day when, uh, you know, I don't know what, what happened. Uh, the stars <laughs> were aligned, but a recruiter called me. And ended up recruiting me for a recruiter position. I took the position and then, you know, I've been in HR since then. Uh, my experience has been both on the agency side and corporate side. Uh, earlier in my career, it's definitely been heavy agency recruiting. Uh, most recently, I've been doing a lot of corporate recruiting at Backstop. I'm responsible for uh, talent branding and also talent acquisition. So. You're doing a great job. Thanks. (laughs) And as for me, I have a degree in public relations from the University of Florida. I've spent the past 11 years in talent acquisition, same as Andy, both on the agency side and the corporate side. Uh, For me, I started out my career specializing in finance, accounting, and legal. And a unique perspective that I bring to the table is that I've recruited in various geographies. So I started off my career recruiting in Miami, Florida, moved to Dallas, Texas, was in Los Angeles. Now I'm in Chicago where I recruit for New York, London, and also Hong Kong. Gotcha. Well, you know, there you have our experience. Now, with that being said, we are not all-knowing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe you are, Alina, but I'm definitely no, not. definitely not. Okay. So every now and then, we'll probably try to bring in a guest. So just to get their perspective, maybe, you know, a health and wellness expert, benefits expert. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll definitely. see what we can do. Definitely. But in the recruiting side, between the two of us, we've got a lot of experience. Oh, yeah. So we are going to have a three-part series. This is the first of three, um, all based on recruiting. So our major umbrellas for recruiting, um, our first topic will be recruiting 
external recruiting proactive. Our next podcast will be external recruiting reactive. Two. Yes, yeah, episode yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then our final of the three-part series will be internal reactive or sorry, internal recruiting, both proactive and reactive. Wow, that was a tongue. That's a lot. <laughs> you yeah, did a great yeah. job, though. Happened. All right. So let's go, let's get let's kick this off. Let's talk about recruiting. It's a subject that's near and dear to our heart, and I'm pumped. Andy, gotcha. what are we going to be bantering on today? Oh, we're we're starting with external recruiting, with a focus on email and text, networking, job fairs, and cold calling. Cold calling. <laughs> My favorite. Um, before we start, do you want to talk about um, you know what we recruit for here at Backstop, just so people have an idea? Sure. The, no, the types of roles I look for are sales, account management, software implementation, and also technical support. How about you, Andy? I work mostly on the tech side, so software developers, software tester, uh, network engineers, project managers, product managers, systems admins, UI UX professionals, and most recently, marketing professionals. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do want to just give a quick definition of external recruiting proactive. So external recruiting is recruiting people outside of your organization that can join your company in either a current position or a future wish list position. External recruiting involves recruiting candidates both proactively and reactively. And Andy said, we've got these major five areas that mm-hmm. we're going to focus on how we external recruit proactive. So that's email, text, networking, job fairs, and cold calls. So let's kick it off. Ready to get it on with yes. that banter. <laughs> right. Emails, we do it every day. So oh, yeah. Andy, how would you say you approach email campaigns? Okay, so this is definitely something that I did. I, mean, I still do heavily now, but definitely a lot of, I did a lot of email campaigns as an agency recruiter. For me, the way I approach this is to, um, first of all, make sure that, I know what the position is, and I know what I'm looking for. Um, and then if I add anyone to the email list, for example, if I'm going through an applicant tracking system and doing an email campaign, I want to make sure that I'm not just picking anyone and do a little like mass email, but I want to pick people that um, actually fit the role. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to impress them and get their attention. So if they see that you paid attention to their background, what they wrote on their resume, um, you know, it, it, it works out a little bit better. Sure. So, so you, you definitely personalize I a do. lot of your emails. And I've even heard candidates that have, you know, become new hires with us say that they, your emails, it seems so personal to them and they had no idea that it was a, oh, yeah. a blast email because <laughs> you did, you do add in little, little points and make yeah. it specific to them. And not just that. I mean, for me, my approach is not just recruiting that person through an email. If I'm doing an email campa- campaign, but really trying to network because sometimes like you know those people are not looking for positions and you might get those people but um, I try to see if you know they might be open to talking at least sure. um, or even if they know someone so I'll try that approach. I think also you know brevity in your emails getting to the point mm-hmm. not trying to have a lot of fluff you know something that they can read and, and, and quickly digest. Something that I found to be really effective is the subject line. It's, it's such a big that deal. That is true, yeah. Because if it's like hot opportunity, you know, that's just so generic. Yeah. But if it is, you know, something that does mention the geography or the actual position title or why you, you know, 
hey, notice you're also an alum of my college. Those little things do matter. Yeah, make sure it doesn't sound like it's a spam. Yeah, That's for sure. your number one rule. <laughs> make it look not spammy. Yeah, okay. absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's move on. Our, our next form of written word, text. Text. Oh, you have a story about this because you went to one network. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we started the podcast, I was recalling with Andy, we kind of laughed about it. We went to a networking event. It was a peer-to-peer networking event. And uh, they show of hands in in a room of 50 people who was texting their candidates. And Andy and I were on opposite sides of the room, and we both raised our hand. We were basically two out of 50 that (laughs) are texting. Yeah, Yeah, in in the city of Chicago. I was shocked. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, I think we were both pretty surprised. So um, it's not common, but it is a very effective tool. So Andy, how do you generally go about, you know, texting, engaging in text with a candidate? Um, for me, it's more of um, follow-up usually. So I, if I need to follow up with a candidate who's yeah. currently in the process, you know, interviewing process, scheduling process, um, I'm a little bit more comfortable texting them. But if I need to, and I'm not able to get in touch with a candidate because sometimes like when I think about candidates I think about about myself um if I'm trying to call a candidate at work would I be able to pick up that phone call if I'm in a meeting probably not so that I kind of think of that approach as a way to okay I'll send him a text message and just make sure that you know I can reach out to this person maybe he'll respond with his availability yeah there might be a better time I know you do this a lot, so um, I know your specific uh, strategies when it comes my to texting. Little, yeah, my little tips and tricks. So when I'm texting candidates, I always start off the text with their first name so they don't think it's just a wrong number text. I also um, always, I'm really brief and to the point, hey, I sent you an email. This is a heads up. I need to schedule times for Friday the 17th. Um, and then I also sign off with my my name and then at backstop because I want them to know you know that it's that it's from me and it's intended for them. I do think it is. I, I just want to couple onto your last point, Andy, yeah. that it's always in conjunction with something else with a yeah. with an email. It's never just a text. I agree. Uh, that it's it's an email or it's a call and it's you know in conjunction with that. It's never my initial point of contacting yeah. someone. Alina, uh, have you had any issues or feedback from people when you text them? You know what? I, they're always really happy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, I've never, I've not had an issue. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if you are emailing them, they can't check personal email till the end of the day. Yeah. You know, they're on their work email all day long. And so you just get a, a quicker turnaround if you give them a heads up. And they're usually pretty thankful that we texted them. I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely try to be respectful um, I've actually noticed some people like when I go through, you know, LinkedIn or like GitHub or anything like that, yeah. sometimes they would even indicate in their profiles that they actually prefer text. Yeah. So that, yeah. that has been kind of like a, not a trend, but there's been more and more of those. But so. I think to your point, it does different generations respond to it in different ways. I, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. like I think millennials are pretty open to it, but I feel like baby boomers and Gen X, they're why are you texting more, me? Yeah. More skeptical. Exactly. Yeah. How exactly. did you get my number? And that's why <laughs> it's important. Definitely. Like, like you said, you know, make sure that you're clearing your email, you have your name, you address them by their name and from which company you are and what the text is about. Yeah. Sometimes like you, you don't want them. What did you, what, what, you kept telling me about this before, but you don't want it looking like the AMC theater. Sex. <laughs> yes. I am in the AMC Stubbs Club and they send me so many spam texts. 
And so I don't want it to look like, you know, the AMC stubs, you know, get 50% off of popcorn. At least yours is not like donate to some kind of like, I always get those like, oh, oh donate to this, donate to that. Yeah. Or like there's this concert. I'm just like, I didn't even sign up for this. <laughs> yes. To stop. One. <laughs> Never mm. happens. Not with us. Okay. <laughs> okay. So on to our next topic. So networking. Andy, what type of networking uh, do you are we generally going to? Okay. For me, um, I know we go to a ton of networking events. For me, it's a little bit different. Mine would be obviously technology focused. Yeah. Um, it's just um, a little bit tough because sometimes like these meetups, they really want developers to attend and not recruiters because they don't want it to be a recruiting event. So I definitely understand that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I have the opportunity, I definitely try to attend, um, you know, tech-focused meetups. Um, And also, not just that, uh, when I I think of uh, networking, um, like you, I mean, you know, we we definitely try to go to, like, HR as well. Because, like, sometimes I, I get referrals from that every every now and then. But I know that you're a lot more active. So, <laughs> no. I'll, I'll, no, go ahead. No, take the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so there's there's two kinds for me to in, in the book of networking. There's industry networking, uh, you know, for your, for the roles. And there's also career development networking. And, you know, both of them help you expand your network and add to the whole picture and I think, you know, really making that distinction, I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that I've lived in different geographies, and it's really helped me expand my network for both gaining candidates, um, but also for uh, for career uh, career growth as well. Andy, you've done some really um, unique networking, um, you know, with with Meetup. I think that is a yeah, you know, is a is a big deal. Um, also, did we mention conferences as a way of networking? Oh yeah, conferences, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we go to different conferences. Actually, went to uh, Java One and the Oracle conference. That was really fun. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of people that I met. There was actually there were a lot of people from Chicago. I met some people from Michigan. Um, we actually ended up planning, uh, going to this uh, hackathon that was for a nonprofit but we ended up not going there because of our schedules just didn't match up. But yeah, yeah, no, I stay in touch with those people. Um, It's very important that we go to these networking networking events because uh, a face-to-face time is just, it's it's valuable. Exactly. Um, Just having that connection in person and being able to network um, is a lot stronger than just, you know, sending an email. And I, I know some of the candidates that have, resulted in new hires at our company they have mentioned that it really makes a difference that you show an interest yeah in what they're doing and what their career path is i agree yeah and no, i learn a lot from these events i yeah. mean especially for me i i may be a technical recruiter but i'm not technically technical but i want to make sure that i understand what type of tools you know, people use in these types of positions, um, why, you know, certain technologies make sense, um, you know, just and just picking up on the jargon, like, just having that little bit of knowledge of what they do helps me empathize and also communicate with them. So it's very, it's been very helpful. Yeah. Now, job fairs, uh, that's a, a great way to get candidates, you know, and a lot of times when people think job fairs, they think universities. Yeah. But, you know, for us, it's not just higher ed. Yeah. So, Andy, what are some of the job fairs that you have found that are more out of the box that have been sure. fruitful? Okay. So, uh, just 
FYI, we still do university job fairs. We so do. if you're actually going to U of I pretty soon in the fall. Yep. So weeks. if you're from there, please come see us. Backstop table. Um, yeah, we still do university career fairs. Um, in addition to that, we do um, tech-focused career fairs for myself. Um, I, I've been to HackerX yes. and uh, various different types of these events. For me, I think about the money that the company spends because I you know, kind of treat it as my own money yep. and making sure that um, I figure out, okay, what's the ROI on this? Um, you know, how, how can we benefit from this? Uh, and when you think about those things, um, you definitely think about, okay, okay, what's, what are the open positions? Okay, if I'm going to this, uh, you know, job fair and I'm paying for that seat, I want to make sure that those are the type of people that I'm looking for now or maybe in the next few months. So I always think about that. How about some of the specialty job fairs that are maybe not so known? Um, oh, yeah. That you have found? Because we've gotten some really great new hires out of those. I agree. And um, now, as a person who's been in this industry for over seven years, um, I definitely developed a lot of relationships with people, and I've been able to use that, fortunately. Um, so I have uh, people that I work with at Microtrain and National Able for uh, listeners that don't know what those are, those are um, organizations that are nonprofit that actually um, help uh, underemployed uh, individuals with certifications. So pretty much people who want to get into tech or have been in tech but want to go back, they help them out uh, with you know classes, certifications, and different things. Um, the reason why I like them is because of their training program. And not just that, they're actually a huge supporter of veterans. And that's yeah. actually how we've been able to get veterans in the company. And it's been very, it's, it's, it's great working with them because they're nice, they're very understanding, and they actually listen to you. Yeah. Right? So I highly suggest. Uh, veterans are disciplined, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like us. Exactly. <laughs> okay, and then last topic, cold calling. Oh, um, favorite. I know, I know. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Everyone starts out with cold calling when you're a recruiter, I feel it like. It is, yeah. 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 I feel like it's it's there's been a an evolution, though, in cold calling. I feel like five I mean, years ago, it was way more common. Oh. But nowadays, you know, I think it depends on the position because... Yeah. You know, certain people don't even have phones at their desks anymore. That's right. I mean, my side of the house, uh, yeah. developers don't they don't have phones. I mean, same with uh w- with me cold calling. You know, other companies. I think you know bigger companies they would still have phone like phones on, on their desk. But yeah, um, for the most part, a lot of the people that I try to get in touch with, you know, you do have to go through like the main line. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit different. Um, but I mean, I still, I still try to cold call if I can. Um, one way that, you know, I've been doing that is, for example, if they have their, you know, number on their GitHub or on their professional website, personal website, I'd say, um, or their portfolio, um, I, I do, you know, try to cold call that way. How about you? Yeah, I, uh, a lot of times I will, some of them have it on their LinkedIn, yeah. Um, I will call into companies, call the main switchboard, you know, I work here for sales positions. And so oh, there's, yes. there's generally always have it. ways yeah. to get through there. But, you know, I've noticed that, you know, when you're calling, you've got one minute to really give them an elevator pitch of sorts. So mm-hmm. you've got to have it ready. You're This is a reason why I'm calling you. And you've got to have that little 
you know, piece of personalized information because of this is why I'm calling you. Or if it's a voicemail, you've got to be ready to give a very mm-hmm. concise to the point, uh, you know, hey, I, I'm calling you and this is the reason and get to the point really quickly and not be vague or um, mysterious you know, really, it, it can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. And, and so you really do have to almost like psych yourself up before you cold call uh, candidates because it is it is a lot of energy yeah. and a lot of thought. Sounds yeah. good. All yeah. right. So this is Elena and Andy in our very first and most successful Backstop <laughs> Banter. Backstop Banter, that's right. <laughs> we discussed today was, uh, our topic was recruiting being proactive for external recruiting. This is the first of a three-part series. Uh, next will be external recruiting being reactive. And then our final will be internal, both proactive and reactive recruiting. Today we discussed emailing, texting, networking, job fairs, and cold calls. And look forward to connecting with you again, audience. Yeah, the next episode. All right. Yes. See you guys. Thank you so much Bye. for listening in. Bye.